Welcome back to the show today and we couldn't go through the whole day without actually mentioning some of the big news that's out today and the G Hotel in Drada is in the news for all the wrong reasons sadly not for tourism not because it's a wonderful hotel not because it's an integral part of the commercial viability of Drada town which has had so much damage done to it over the last 20 years I myself worked in Drada for a long long time and what a wonderful town it used to be commercially a lot of damage was done where they had two shopping centres open one on each side of it and now we have the biggest hotel in the town is now going to be proposed to be used for 500 uh, refugees. Well, uh, politicians in Drada are concerned that the plans to, do, uh, to turn the town's largest hotel into an asylum centre will devastate tourism and local councillors in the County Loud town will hold an emergency meeting today to discuss the government plans to convert the four-star D Hotel. Uh, Labour councillor P.O. Smith expressed concerns about the lack of consultation with the local representatives about the decision to accommodate international asylum applications in the 113-bed hotel, which will reduce the town's tourism accommodation by 56%. It's happening all over the country. I put up a tweet this morning about it. And also, Senator Sharon Kyogen put up a tweet saying she was so disappointed by the continued recklessness, which is a great word that I've used, continued as well, of this government to manage the immigration crisis. And she joins me on the line. Uh, Senator Sharon Kogan, good afternoon to you. Nice to talk to you again. Um, Sharon, I mean, Drada depends on tourism. Drada depends on the commercial viability of the town. The main street was already devastated many years ago when they took away the commercial viability by opening shopping centres at each end, which was really bad planning. Um, This is another blow for Drada, isn't it? It is another blow for Drada. It's quite near to where uh, my constituency is. It literally is only six or seven miles in the road from uh, Dulic and County Mead. Um, a lot of my constituents uh, would go there for their weekly shopping and daily shopping, in fact. Um, so this is a massive blow because, in fact, Drada has played a vital role over the last two years with regards to settling uh, Ukrainians and refugees uh, in their town. I mean, Drada, of course, that whole area would have been, I suppose, the first to accept uh, immigrants into it because if we go right back in time when, you know, direct provision started first, you had the old Butlins or Mosny, uh, as it was called That's at the time, true, yeah. was used. So so they were the first to kind of embrace that whole idea of, you know, integration of, immigra- of immigrants to the country. So it's not that they don't want people. It's just that I suppose they've had more than their fair share when it comes to the damage to the town commercially. Well, I suppose Mosny itself still houses about between 700 and 800 people. Um, it is about eight miles, 10 miles outside Drogheda uh, towards the Gormanston area. Um, we have been, they, they've been there for many years. Some people have mm. been in that centre for almost 20 years. Wow. Like that is a long time to be in direct provision in this country. So the government is massively failing. The people mm. that come here that are, waiting for their applications to be processed, and they're still in direct provision accommodation after this length of time. It is absolutely reckless to continue what they're doing when they can't manage what we have at this moment in time. I was sent a video last night by a friend who happens to live up near the iPass Centre in Dublin, and it's like Tent City. And she lives among the apartments at the back of the I-Pass. And she said, it's really concerning. Now, she said, and this friend of mine would be very left-wing, left-leaning. 
and is all for welcoming people into the country and humanitarian causes. But she said, this is crazy. And she said, they've compla- complained to the local TDs. Nothing is being done about it. And she said, you cannot continue to let people into a country and leave them in those conditions in tents. Now, I'm assuming these are the people they want to put into Drauda uh, to obviously try and get them off the street. But they're only going to be replaced with another four or 500 over the next two or three weeks because the government don't seem to be learning from the mistake every day. Now, we've heard Roderick O'Gorman and Helen McIntyre in the last two days throwing out some sound bites. You know, Roderick saying that 60% of people who are coming here, you know, shouldn't be here because they're economic migrants. Helen McIntyre saying, oh, well, don't worry, we're going to charter planes and those who come with no documentation will be returned. But then in the small print, it says, you know, when we sign up to the EU uh, treaty uh, and this won't happen until May 2026, which is another two years away. In other words, these are sound bites for an election. This is going to keep happening, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I think it's so disappointing to see the government at this, uh, trying to, to pull the wool over the electorate's eyes. This EU migration pact hasn't been signed yet. Ireland can opt in or they can opt out. Um, I would recommend opting out until such time as we can sustainably manage the, the people that we have at this moment in time within our country. Um, we have almost 70,000 in in accommodation. When I say accommodation, I mean um, hotels throughout this country at this moment in time. 70,000 of Ukrainians. That's on top of our 60,000 people that are on the social housing list. That's on top of our 30,000 people that are on uh, the direct, or that are in currently in direct provision centres in this country. Um, so there's a lot of housing needs within this country at this time. The government are failing everybody. We are not living in a third world country, but this government is treating people as if they are. Um, We have plenty of money to fix this situation, but the government seems to be absolutely incompetent to do it. And when you say fix this situation, there's an obvious fix that people have been saying for months and months and months, and they've been called right wing for even suggesting it. And this idea that we would conflate the two things, which the government are constantly doing at the moment to pull the wool over the electric eyes by saying, you know, well, without foreigners in the country, we wouldn't have, you know, people in hospitality and healthcare and nursing, all these things, and they play a vital role in the economy. And nobody doubts that for a minute. But Absolutely. the government are trying to suggest that that's the same people who come into Dublin Airport with no passport and no documentation, which it's not. It's a very different set of people. And... Why are they doing this? Or why do you think they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes and giving out misinformation, which Leo Varadka only recently said, you know, that we had an obligation. Now, if it wasn't this first safe port, the second safe port, and all this confusion around the Dublin Convention, which clearly he's misinformed about, according to some uh, legal experts in that matter. Why are they doing this when it's causing so many problems, so much division in society between those who'd be centre-right or centre-left? They're fighting with each other. And... Like the government just don't, they just keep doing it every single day. Why? It doesn't make sense. I have never seen a government working actively against our, its people in all the years that I've been in politics. I do not understand why they're doing the, continuing down the pathway that they're on. I mean, certainly it looks like they, don't, they do not wish to win the next election. Um, with regard to the EU pact, I think we need to go back and talk about that because May is when Ireland has to make a decision in relation to it. It will take at least two years before these processing centres, detention centres, because that's exactly what they are. They are detention centres. But long term, they probably end up being more direct provision centres. So individuals that come in here are processed. They are meant to be fast-tracked in 12 weeks. However, if there's a war 
uh, breaks out in a certain country and there's a crisis there, there's an inevitable, uh, you, you, there is no time frame in which that person has to leave that centre. So people could end up staying in those centres for years. So in fact, these might be processing centres they'll start out as, but they're going to be long term be more direct provision centres throughout the country. And large volumes. These are large volume centres. These are people that have maybe a thousand, two thousand people in them. So these are not small centres. These are large centres they're, they're planning to build. When we had the referendum back in the early part of 2000, when Michael McDool, of course, would have been the Minister for Justice at the time, as, as far as I remember, um, you know, we had a fairly robust immigration system. We had a referendum, obviously, for the people to decide how we dealt with that. And, you know, and we welcomed immigration into this country. We welcomed people coming from other countries who had skills that would add and benefit our economy. And we still do, by the way, for those people who think, you know, people who are centre-right don't welcome people. We do. I, I absolutely, uh, I invite diversity into the country all the time. But we can continue to do this. So what do we do? Because some people will say, well, if you start deporting people, you know, at, at the point of entry, that seems inhumane. But do we have to really bite the bullet and do that and say, listen, we accept that you're a genuine asylum seeker. I'm sorry, but you're not. You're going to have to go back to where you came from. Is that the way we have to deal with this? I, I, I look, at. there's nobody that has any issue with people that come in here legally through uh, the employment permit way, direction, those, those visas. Nobody has any issue with that whatsoever. They're coming here. They're coming to contribute. They're not being a, a burden on the state. So nobody has an issue for those people coming here. Neither does any person in Ireland, I believe, have a genuine um, dislike to those who are seeking refugee status and those who are seeking asylum. And there are genuine asylum seekers out there at this moment in time, seeking asylum. And we can see where wars are taking place in this world. However, recently Botswana and Algeria were added on to the safe zone list. There was, there, there's 10 countries at this moment on that list where nobody should be coming in. But I think there's about 12,000 on that list at this moment in time that have come in from those safe zones. So those individuals need to be sent back immediately. They are safe zones. There is no reason for them to, to be here. Now, what I would like to see, because I think it's important, you know, that we show leadership. Ireland is a very innovative country. We're a very wealthy country. Um, I, I believe that some sort of a working group should be set up here in Ireland to, um, and a cross-party working group from maybe local authority members, maybe Oireachtas members, maybe our MEPs. And we look at those countries, those safe zone countries that people are coming from. Why are those people fleeing those nations? We need to look at how much foreign aid and international aid those those countries are getting. Is that money being spent on economic development? Because building a better economic development within those safe zones is really, really important because we want those people to stay there. We want those people to thrive within their own borders. There's no point draining, having a brain drain from those countries when they, they those people that are coming here could be staying there and empowering their people to live much richer and better lives. So I would like to see some sort of a working group put together um, whereby we can look at the safe zone countries where people are coming from. How can we support those 
people and the economic departments within those countries to do better for their people. And what monies do we need to put into it to keep those people there? Because at the end of the day, those 10 or 12,000 people that are currently here at this moment are a significant burden on our taxpayer. So if we have certain skills and we have certain resources and certain funds that we can empower the people within their own borders to thrive, I think we should look at that uh, opportunity that, that could present itself um, to make to make those lives better within those countries. Finally, on that matter, getting back to Drada with the D Hotel, of course, which is a okay, four-star hotel. And um, I've, I'm looking at some of the comments there by Loud County Council and also by the uh, Labour County Councillor, P.O. Smith, and he expressed huge concerns at the lack of consultation. And this is the big problem. When we see, and nobody wants to see arson attacks anywhere, by the way, and we all should condemn oh, that no. criminal activity. Absolutely. But, but we have to look at why this is happening and the division that's been created in society. It's by lack of consultation. It's by not talking to people. It's not by not providing wraparound services. And it's also by taking away the one thing that these small towns, particularly rural towns in Ireland, rely on, which is tourism. When we see that roughly 40 to 50% of hotels now in Ireland are taken up with refugees. And we spoke to Paul Travaux from Travaux's restaurant the other day. And he was saying, you know, the footfall has dropped everywhere in small towns. So restaurants, bars are not surviving because clearly refugees don't have a huge amount of money to spend like tourists would. They come with a wallet full of money. And they'll have even less now when they're awarded 38, 38, 90 at the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have very little, uh, they're going to add very little to the economy apart from the D Hotel itself. So what should happen in the D Hotel situation? Do you think the Minister, Roderick uh, McGovern, is going to back down? I, think, I know I, there's a consultation I, I today. Believe, I, I do believe the Minister should review it. I do not believe that any place should have to take 500 refugees. Absolutely not. And Drogheda has already taken that and more currently at this moment in time. So we, uh, Drogheda has taken possibly around 800, 900 refugees. Uh, throughout the county, there have been people that have... Um, offered their homes up to refugees. Um, I don't. I can't remember the figure, but I think that might be around 80 or 90 people have actually offered their homes up to throughout mm-hmm. the county. I mean, Drogheda, Drogheda is a great town. Great people in it. Mm-hmm. There's great festivals. They're a great community. But you know what? They have never received the regeneration funding that that town needs to make it to be a thriving uh, economy. All that money has always gone to Dundalk. It never has come to Drogheda. And I suppose really the people there, they're very working class people. They're very hardworking people. But like, there are huge issues in relation to crime. Um, crime is massive. Youth unemployment there is, is high. Um, there, there are many, many social issues there um, in, in the town of Drogheda that need support and funding. And to, and to put more refugees into a already strained um, area, I, I think it is the wrong move by the government. And I think the government must change their policy in relation to this. I, I, I know there's protests planned and I would call on people, protest peacefully. Mm-hmm. Pro- protesting peacefully is very much welcomed. But when people are starting to go out and cause serious damage to properties, I would say, people, please do not do that. Yeah. Do not act in a, a, a illegally do not do not um mm. get involved in anybody with anybody that is involved in illegal illegal activity on any premises that is 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 hosting refugees please do not do that act peace peacefully. protest peacefully
Uh, just finally, before you go, Sharon, um, in relation to the referendum, Senator Michael McDougall, Ireland's former Attorney General and Minister for Justice at one stage, said he rejects completely the idea that the family referendum won't impact immigration. Seems we're talking about immigration. And says it'll be in the interest of economic migrants to mount legal challenges regarding family reunification. Now, this is something the government are denying, but Neil Richmond said it himself in an interview recently That's right. that, that it, That's would, right. uh, it would broaden the definition of family reunification. That's right. I mean, it does. I mean, that that word, there is no definition of durable relationships. And I was I was very, very stern with the minister in relation to, to finding that durable relationships before it left Leinster Housegate so that the that the, the judiciary would actually know what that word meant before it went down to the courts. And unfortunately, the minister didn't do that. So we don't we don't actually know what that word durable relationship means. But Michael McDowell, he is the, the ex-Attorney General, he was the Minister for Justice. He is very knowledgeable on, the, on this particular legislation. He has basically said there's absolutely huge consequences with regards to immigration law, tax law, pension law, succession law. All of these would be affected. So he is promoting an O-vote. Uh, he has some, I have to say, he has invested some uh, monies to promote that to promote that vote. Um, we all actually a lot of a lot of us are getting behind behind the campaign as well. We're all investing in the no campaign, but all I can say to you: do your research. I know that I'll be voting no. Um, I know that Senator McDougall is voting no. Senator Crockwell is voting no, and I think that Senator Clonan is also voting no to both the amendments as well. So there's serious weight behind the no vote when it comes to this particular does referendum. It, and does I it also concern it. you, sorry Sharon for interrupting, but does it also concern you that over the last three or four weeks we've seen numerous statements come out that Commissioner Mann doesn't seem to be picking up on, where we have uh, government ministers, um, NGOs, putting out false information in relation to particularly, say, the woman's place being in the home, which is not in the Constitution anywhere, by the way, and that women have free choice to do whatever they want. But this information and this line being trotted out you know, that women somehow are chained to the kitchen sink if you vote no. I mean, this yeah. is misinformation, disinformation, according to Commissioner Lamont, but yet nobody seems to be pulled up on it. And these are the same government ministers who tell us that we shouldn't be responding or we shouldn't be putting out disinformation. And I think it was interesting when the FOI was done by, um, recently by Michael McDougall in relation to the department and his negotiations with the NGO sector as well. So, look, we know this stinks. This referendum stinks. There's a hidden agenda behind it. We don't know what that is because they're not actually giving us the information. There was no pre-legislative scrutiny on this particular information, on this particular legislation. So I think people need to do some research. They need to know what they're voting for. But all of us will be advocating a no vote. And I will be asking people to get out there and vote no to both these amendments on the 8th of March. Senator Sharon Kogan, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.